0: In today's episode, I want to go into depth about a common topic that I have noticed and talked about with many clients and students as I've been a coach for you know over 10 years now, and that is the subject of lower back pain. Now, most people, so the majority of the population will experience lower back pain through their lifetime. And if you haven't had low back pain, count your lucky stars. And consider yourself very, very fortunate. Um, I've gone through some lower back issues in the past, uh, and I can tell you right now, it's very frustrating. Lower back pain is something that uh, I do not wish for anybody. It is very annoying, and it affects every part of your life. So from how you, you know, how you sleep, how you get out of bed, how you, you know how you actually dress yourself, like even little things that people take for granted every day, it really affects you know, the smallest details. And it can really hinder the way that you live. The quality of life that you have when you have back pain goes down significantly. So um, I thought I would take the time to go through this topic with you at length and kind of give you my thoughts on lower back pain as a whole, what I've experienced personally, um, and also, Go through some of the things that I've read, understand from a mechanics standpoint, from you know, a coaching standpoint, so that you can hopefully steer clear from lower back pain. And if you have had back pain or do get it in the future, you have some kind of framework to get yourself out of it as well. Now, there's a lot of different reasons that bring about back pain. It's really it's rarely ever just one thing, and it's it's hard to say that. This is the cause for everybody's back pain. Everybody's case is going to be slightly different, and there are a few variables that I think are worth considering. So, in this episode, I want this to be a resource that perhaps you can go back to. If you or a friend, you know, experience back pain. This can be, you know, something that they could turn to and be like, hey, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I have I didn't think about it like that. Maybe I should actually pursue this avenue. So I want to go through some of the commonalities that I've seen um, which contribute to lower back pain and also give you some action items that you can implement so you can avoid it, okay? Before I dive into this stuff in depth, I do want to foreclose this or disclose that I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physiotherapist. So if you do currently have specific issues, I would advise you and recommend that you you go and see a specialist or your healthcare provider because... That's what you need to do for your specific uh, situation, okay? What I'm going to share is about what I know of the human body from firsthand experience. Like I said, I have had back pain in the past. It sucks. It is debilitating. But I also want to start to empower you with a greater knowledge of the human body and also give you some information from you know what I've actually helped people with from coaching them firsthand. So clients who currently have or have had back pain in the past as well. Okay, now that that is out the way, let's get into it. Now for a large amount of people, um, this is a common misconception. People think that because they have lower back pain, they think, oh, my lower back must be weak. And in some cases, yes, that is the case. But for a lot of people, that's actually not what's happening. A big thing that occurs with lower back pain is or has occurred because their back is carrying too much of the stress. They're, they're, they're overworked. The lower back has taken on more roles and more responsibilities than it should have to, and therefore it becomes overloaded and is over it's overworked basically. So this means that you know the lower back is doing roles and responsibilities that it shouldn't have to. Okay? And the reason that it's having to do this is because other parts of your body, other areas, other joints, other muscles, other structures of your body aren't doing what they're designed to do. They're not doing their job. Or they're just not functioning optimally. So maybe they're operating at a at a level that is just too low, or maybe they're working at a level and their tolerance level is quite low, so they get fatigued and then the lower back has to pitch in and pick up the slack. So the first thing I want you to do is think about the postures and the positions that you adopt and spend most of your time through every day. I'm gonna go through a couple common ones. This is generalization, but for most people, especially in our modern society, this is what happens for the majority of people. You get up after sleeping for seven to, nine, uh, seven to nine hours, you're laying horizontally on your back or on your side. So you get up and then you sit down in a chair and you have breakfast. After you sit down in that chair, you get out of that chair and you pop yourself into another chair which happens to be your car or on the train or in an Uber and you take the commute to the office to begin your work day. Now when you get to work, you plonk yourself out of one chair or one sitting position and you take yourself off to your office or your quarters and you sit down in another chair to work all day, nine to five or whatever your hours are. Once you have finished your grind, your hustle, your work day, you get out of that chair, prop yourself back in the car or your mode of transportation and you go home. Once you arrive home, You go and plonk yourself down on the couch. Ah, Sit down, rest my feet from my very heavy day and hectic day at work. Do you see a common trend? Do you see a common theme? Do you see a common position? Sitting. Sitting is the common thread, okay? You are spending the majority of your days in a flexed position. Flexed means bent, or in this case, rounded. So you're flexing everything forward. You are sitting down. Your hips are flexed. Your spine is flexed. Your knees are flexed. They are all in a bent position. It's called flexion. When you spend time in this position, this is what happens. Your hip flexes. The muscles at your hip crease become short. Your quadriceps, so your thigh muscles, also become short because your knees are bent. Uh, They get lengthened, but they get weak, okay? So just clarify that, sorry. But uh, it turns uh, those muscles off, okay? Your glutes are also turned off because you're sitting on them, okay? So they don't have to work to support you. And it also means that your core does not have to work to stabilize your spine. You are sitting on an artificial base of support, Your your hips are flexed and your knees are flexed. So the quads on the front don't have to work. The hamstrings on the back certainly don't have to work. So I just wanna clarify that, I misspoke. Uh, Your quads, they actually lengthen, but they're not working. The hamstrings, the muscles on the back of your leg, they get short. So the muscles on the front of your hips, your hip flexes, they get short and your hamstrings get short. So just clarify that before I move forward. Um, So, Hopefully, that is painting a bit of a picture for you, okay? Spending a lot of time in this position is negative for a lot of reasons. There is very limited support and stability provided by your body. By your body. So your body is designed to work. Your body has certain functions and responsibilities and roles that it's, like, that's its purpose. You know, you have certain muscles that are designed for this. You have certain muscles that are designed for that. That's their purpose in life, okay? When you take away their purpose, they atrophy, they waste away, they deteriorate, okay? So you also get the negative effects on the other side of your body. So all of the muscles on the front, the core, the hip flexors, the quadriceps, these are all doing... Basically nothing, they're not having to work. And then you're getting the negative effects on the areas you can't see, on the back of your body, the posterior chain, your hamstrings, your glutes, your back. As I mentioned, your hamstrings become short. So this is something that a lot of people complain of. I've got really tight hamstrings. You know, if you do a simple test, if you do a standing toe touch, just stand up with your feet directly underneath your hips, fold, at your hips, reach down and touch your toes. A lot of people can't do that, and they feel this 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 stretch or this pulling on the back of the leg, and they think, "Oh, my hamstrings are tight. I have to stretch my hamstrings." Yes and no. I will address that in a moment, but that's just a small test you can do. But anyway, when you're sitting, your hamstrings get short. Okay, they are they are. They are not in a lengthened position. Your knee is bent and it shortens your hamstrings. It also weakens your glutes because they're not being used. You're just sitting on them. You don't get a great looking ass by sitting on your ass, I can tell you that. (laughs) And what also happens is, there is no upper back strength or endurance. So maybe when you first sit down into your chair, you're mindful and you're cognizant of your posture. I've got to sit up nice and tall. Yep, bit of core bracing, bit of stomach. Yes, very good. Hands go in a nice spot, shoulders are back, very nice, good, and you can begin your work day. Let's see if you still hold that same quality position in five minutes time, or 50 minutes time, or five hours time. It's very unlikely, okay? So everything's flexed, everything is forward. The upper back is basically switched off. The, even the pecs, your chest muscles become short and internally rotated. So you get this really enclosed position Punch back, shoulders, you know, rolled in, and the upper back is rounded. You know the position I'm talking about here. Either you have it or you know somebody who does have it. Now, with all of this sitting, you become very weak. Very. Like I said, the chair is giving you all the support. It's artificial support. It doesn't help you. Okay? It actually hinders you because you're becoming weak. Your muscles are not doing what they're designed to do. But what also happens is that you become immobile. You lose a ton of mobility through the hips, upper back and shoulders. So everything you do is forwards. The hips are bent, you're reaching forward, typing away on your computer or writing. Everything's in front of you. You're never doing anything that opens the body up. It is always closed, okay? Now, I'm going to go through a bit of anatomy with you. I'm gonna try and keep it very simple, but I also need you to start to paint the picture of what roles and responsibilities different parts of your body have, okay? Because if, I'll uh, I'll start with the hips, and this will paint the picture for you. Okay, your hips and your shoulders are the same type of joint. They are a ball and socket joint, okay? They have the capacity to provide you with seven types of movement. Yes, I said seven, okay? Your hips have, and shoulders, have the ability to flex. So let's let's use the hip as the example so you can see what I'm talking about. If I'm standing up, if I lift my leg up, that is flexion. You can feel the hip flexors on the front of the hip at the hip crease start to work. Okay, that's flexion. Now, if you stand up straight, bring your heel behind your body. You've got a straight leg, you bring your leg behind your body. That is called extension. Now, bring your leg out to the side, away from your body. That's called abduction. Now, from that out position, bring your foot towards the other one. This is called adduction, A-D-D, adduction. You're adding something towards the midline. You also have internal rotation. So if you stand on one foot, turn your toe inward towards the other one. That's called internal rotation. Then if you turn your toes out, that's called external rotation. And then you have another function, the last of them. This is called circumduction. This is where the limb moves in a circle. So if you draw a big circle, circumduction. Okay, you can go clockwise and anticlockwise. Okay. You also have those exact same functions at your shoulders. Flexion, lifting the arm up towards the ceiling. Extension, bringing your arm behind your body. Abduction, lifting your arm up to the side away from your body. Adduction, bringing your arm back towards your body. Internal rotation, if you have your arm up at 90 degrees, so it's horizontal, so if you bring your arm up so it forms a straight line. If you turn your thumb facing down, and back, that's internal rotation. Turn your palm facing up and back, that's external rotation and then circumduction is where the limb again moves in a circle. So maybe if you think of like a a cricket bowler, fast bowler, they're drawing a big circle, that's circumduction. Or if you're serving a ball for tennis, same thing. Now this is what happens, this is where things become really interesting. And you have to learn these movements. Like I, I know these names and the anatomical terms, flexion, extension, and so forth, okay? But what you need to understand is this. If you have insufficient range of motion, so if you don't have enough motion in any of these positions or functions, your body will find another way to complete whatever task is demanded of it. This is known as compensation. Your body is compensating for a lack of movement in one of those patterns, and is gonna find another way to get the job done. So it's gonna maybe ask another muscle group or another joint to do the role that the hip or the, the uh, shoulder can't perform. Your body steals movement from another joint which isn't designed to do that as its primary job. So what does that mean for you? This is what it means in layman's terms. You want your hips to be very mobile. Okay. And shoulders. So when I I say hips, I also mean shoulders. And when I say shoulders, I also mean hips. Okay. Just for clarity. You want your hips to be very mobile. You want them to have a great deal of movement within them. Okay. But on the converse, on the flip side of things, you want your lower back to be very stable. So the hips have a lot of movement, but the lower back, we don't want to have a lot of movement. We want it to be stable. We want it to be able to accept, load, and be a source of stability. Now, if, you, if you're if you a regular listener, I can't remember the exact episode off the top of my head, but there was an episode where I talked about the joint-by-joint joint theory. Every joint has a specific role or function, whether it be stability or mobility. So if you haven't listened to that, go back through the list of episodes, which is on my website. Okay www.fullersc.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down and you'll find there's an episode where I talk about every joint has a specific, every joint has a specific function. Okay, moving on. The way that you create lower back stability is through the glutes, the hips, the core, and having back strength. Okay, this is how you do it. First, I need to define, clearly define what mobility means. When I'm talking about mobility, this is your ability to create movement, your ability to move. So whether it be hip flexion, you need to have the capacity to flex the hip, to extend the hip, to abduct the hip, to adduct the hip, to internally and externally rotate, and also to circumduct the hip joint. That's mobility. You can create movement through that joint. Stability, on the other hand, is all about resisting movement. It is your ability to hold a position. hope that makes sense. So there's clearly one side of the spectrum, we want movement. And then the other side of the spectrum, we don't want movement. We want to be able to hold that position and resist any other movement that is placed upon us whether it be through forced movement, whether it be through load, whether it be through speed, whatever. Now let's talk about your glutes. When I refer to the word glutes, I'm talking about your ass. I'm talking about your butt. First things first, your glutes are, well, not yours, well yes yours, but everybody's, the glutes. (laughs) The glutes are the biggest muscles in your body. So, would it not make sense to make them extremely strong and robust? I think so. It's not just from a lower back health standpoint, but a lot of people have aesthetics uh, goals. You know, they want to look good. And why wouldn't you? Absolutely, I want you to look as great as you can possibly look. But it also works from a functional standpoint. How you act and how you live day to day. And also staying pain free. So your glutes are involved when walking, running, jumping, landing, squatting, hinging, just to name a few. So they're used, but they're used every single day. And like any muscle, if you don't use it, you will lose it. So these are the people who you see. You know, if you have a look from a side view, it's not to say you're perving on them or anything like that. But if you just have a look at somebody from the side, do they have an ass, or do they have a pancake butt where it's just flat? Okay, that's a giveaway. Like that tells you how this person moves. And it's not stereotyping, it's none of that bullshit, but you can tell a lot about how somebody moves and their levels of strength and fitness by having a look at them. If you see runners, 100-meter sprinters, they have big asses, they have big butts, and it's because they strengthen those muscles because they extend the hip and they produce a ton of power. And you have a look at people who are very sedentary, don't move a lot. They've just got flat lines. But so you have a look at their upper back, their lower back and their you know, their sacrum, their butt region, it's just flat, pancake flat, no strength, no stability, no power. Now. Okay? Now, some great exercises that you can incorporate into your training routine, okay? And weekly regime. Squatting what kind of squat? Vary it up. I don't care. Pick a squat that works for you. Could be a front squat, dumbbell squat, offset squat, half rack squat, kettlebell squat, zercher squat, back squat. Doesn't matter. Pick one. Pick a couple. Lunges. Lunges. Fantastic exercise. These are very, very underrated in my opinion. And I think the reason that people steer clear of lunges is because they are terrible at them. They just find them very difficult and they don't have strength to perform the pattern. So they think, yeah, lunges are a bit hard. I want something else. What's easier? Pick, give me something else. Give me something that's a little easier. Well, no, that is a red flag. If that is your, is that, if that is your mentality when it comes to something like lunges, I would actually encourage you to do more of them, not less of them. As long as there's no injury that is preventing you from doing lunges, I would actually double down on them and get really fucking good at them. If you suck at lunges, if your balance is terrible and you can't hold a nice upright posture, you're flailing like a leaf in the breeze and you're shaking all over the place, cool. Spend some more time in there. Develop the pattern. Get better at it. Develop more stability in the lunge. Hip thrusts, excellent exercise to develop the glutes. Glute bridge. Body weight, you know, you can add a dumbbell, you can add a sandbag across your hips. Kettlebell swing, tremendous for developing hip power, and also great for combating the effects, the negative effects of sitting. If you're sitting all day, the hips and the knees are flexed, they are bent. When you complete a kettlebell swing, you extend the knees and you extend the hips violently. Now, it may not be the right uh, right exercise for you right now, If we look at the two positions, they're opposed. One is with both the the knees and the hips bent, and one is with the knees and hips open. So one is flexed, one is extended. Fantastic. Romanian deadlift, dumbbells, barbell, snatch grip RDL. Again, pick one. You can do bilateral, double-legged, and you can do single-leg RDLs. A Lot of different variations for you. You can do good mornings. You can do band pull-throughs. You can do step-ups and all of the different variations and loading strategies that come with step-ups. You see, these exercises are all around you. There are literally hundreds of exercises at your disposal to develop leg strength, but also, in particular, developing your glutes. Moving on to another part that needs stabilizing, that needs strength, that needs endurance, is the core. Now, when I say the word core, I don't mean your abs. I don't just mean the six pack. They are a part of the core. When I refer to the core, what I am talking about is your trunk, is the four points between your hips and your shoulders. Do you have the capacity to control that? Stabilize your trunk. You are trying to prevent movement at your lumbar spine. So you're trying to prevent any movement occurring at your lower back, okay? And the big thing here is the core. This is your connection that joins your lower body to your upper body and vice versa. So if you have a weak connection, the stability is going to be very low, which means if there's not enough stability, it's gonna be picking up work it shouldn't have to do, okay? We want the core to be strong and stable. We don't want the low back to be overloaded. Make the muscles that are supposed to work, do the work. Some exercises that you can use to develop your core. As soon as I say this everyone's gonna be like, oh, give me something else, I don't care. It's a great exercise, planks. And I'm referring to all the different kind of planks. I have literally over 20 different variations of planks which I use with my students. Front plank, side plank, plank with leg tap, plank with chest tap, plank with leg raise. I just had a new one which I, I rolled out this week. Plate passes. You start on all fours. You're starting on your hands and your toes. You stack up a line of uh, small weight plates. 1.25 kilos is plenty. And you've got to take the plates from one side and stack them across the other side neatly. If you can't do it neatly and stack them directly one on top of the other without you know, throwing them It shows a lack of control, it shows a lack of strength. But those are fantastic exercises. Do your planks, make sure your hips don't move so there's no rotation at the hips, there's no twisting, there's no arching at the lower back, there's no flexing, there's no rounding. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the bird dog, fantastic exercise, very underrated, very low level exercise. So if you can't do something like a bird dog, you are really going to struggle with some of the other higher level movements and or more demanding movements, I should say, that come your way. Squatting involves your core. Can you keep a neutral spine as you move through your ankles, knees and hips? Push-ups. The push-up is a moving plank. And then there are a ton of variations of push-ups. I have one of my guys doing weighted or loaded push-ups. So he gets into his push-up position. I load some plates onto his lower back and away he goes. We have overloaded the core. We are placing higher level demands on those muscles that stabilize the trunk. We have body rows. This involves two things. Hip extension, lifting your hips up and holding that. The core strength to make sure that your body is not sagging or your back is arching. And then you've got to pull your upper body towards the bar. We can do half kneeling work. So I could get you to do a half kneeling overhead press, half kneeling landmine press. Offset weight, I give you a weight in one hand but not the other so you have to resist side bending to work the obliques and the lateral sling, the hips, yeah, the glutes. And then we have one of my most favourite things which is more of an advanced technique but I use sometimes with uh, my students who are capable and this is chaos training. So this is really good for athletes because when you play sport, doesn't matter if it's at a social level or a really competitive level, you are going to be forced to do chaotic movements. You might think the ball is gonna be on the left, all of a sudden it's on the right. You might have a player bump into you which you weren't expecting. That is chaotic. You weren't expecting it. It's a form of chaos which you have to overcome. So it might be doing a plank and I try and move your body. I try and push your lower back down. I try and lift your hips. I try and rotate your hips. I try and push your body from side to side and you've got to resist. Again, you are creating higher level demand for the muscles to create stability. I'm just going to grab a quick drink because that's a that's a fair amount of information there that I've just spewed down into your ears. But... Uh, Take the time, you may actually wanna listen to this episode a couple times. Um, It's a lot to go through. The main things are, get your glutes very strong. Very, very strong. Make sure your midsection, make sure your core, your hips, all of those muscles are very robust. Then we need the other side of things. So that is our stability work that I've just mentioned. Now I wanna talk about mobility. You want movement through certain areas. So, something that I find quite useful in terms of a preventative measure if you do a lot of standing. So, maybe you don't sit. Maybe you actually do a lot of standing, or maybe you're a trading and you've got a lot of, you know, you've got some odd objects to lift and carry and maneuver for hours upon hours. Maybe something like a hang would be more beneficial for you, where you decompress the spine. You grab hold of a chin up bar, take your feet off. Focus on some nice big breaths in and out. Decompress the spine. You're lengthening the body out and you're also simultaneously improving shoulder range of motion because that is as vertical as you can possibly get. Okay? We can also think about doing some foam rolling uh, of the T-spine. So that's your thoracic. If you've got a foam roller, you can place that on the ground. You lay on the roller, you place it just below your shoulder blades. So in that position, your bum is on the ground, your knees are bent and your feet are flat. Brace your stomach for a punch, interlock your fingers behind the head, and then you're going to try and bend your upper back over the roller. This extends, it arches your thoracic spine, your upper back. Full exhale, bring yourself back to neutral. Rebrace the midsection again, so we don't just arch from the lower back. We want the upper back to be providing the movement, not the lower back. So that's one option for you. Then we have rocking for the hips. So this is where you can get onto all fours here, and you'll find the right stance for you. But if you're on all fours on the hands and knees, you've got a neutral spine, as if a broomstick was placed down it from head through to the low back, just rock backwards and forwards. Can you maintain a neutral back? Meaning your back doesn't really change its shape. It stays within its natural curves as you rock forwards and backwards. Then you might decide, okay, I wanna hit my adductors and hips a bit more. So you widen your stance, fantastic. Getting a bit of hip mobility, still maintaining neutral spine. And you might also think of doing the adductors. So you do what's called half kneeling. Two hands flat on the floor. You take one leg out to the side. It's nice and straight, it's on an angle. And then you rock backwards and forwards from there. There's your bit of mobility practice. Bit of work to get movement where you want it, through your shoulders. Because if the shoulders don't have enough movement, then it's gonna compensate by pulling from your upper back, which is going to pull on your lower back, okay? And you also need to strengthen your glutes through multiple angles. So people who do the same movements over and over again they're missing a really important piece of the puzzle. The glutes have multiple functions and you must train them. So it means that hey, you can't just do hip thrusts until the cows come home. Yeah, sure you get a big glute burn and the glute max is working extremely hard. Yeah. What about the gluteus medius? What about the outer part? Yeah, we didn't think about that, did we? So you need a couple different angles, and I'm gonna run through a couple options. First is prone hip extension. So this one here, I'll talk you through it. You lay yourself down and your hands become pillows. Let's say we're gonna work the right glute. Bend your knee at 90 degrees so your foot faces the ceiling. Place your right hand on your right butt cheek. This is for sensory feedback. You are getting touch feedback so you can feel that specific muscle doing the movement. So you're laying face down, your right knee is bent to 90 degrees. From there, kick your heel up towards the ceiling. You should feel your glute max activating and starting to light up. Then you can also do prone hip extension. This is a little bit different. You're still laying face down, hands are pillows. Okay, your legs are straight. You're gonna lift your feet and knees about an inch off the ground. From there, you open the legs up to the side and then you close them. So legs go out and then you bring your legs in keeping your feet and knees about a centimetre off the ground. You'll feel that through the outer part of the hips. That right there, my friend, is gluteus medius. You can also do, I'm not going to go through detail into all these, but you can do skydivers. You can do lateral walks with a band around the ankles or the knees. You can do seated abduction. So sitting on a bench, band around the knees, plant the feet, knees go in, and then drive that band out, open the hips up. You can do banded clams, you can do hip thrusts, as I mentioned. But when you are doing these exercises, when you are performing these movements, you need to get hip extension. So that is movement from the hips without lumbar extension. So you need movement from the hips without movement from the lower back. This means you are learning how to disassociate one joint from another. You are learning the difference between, okay, this is a movement from the hips and, ah, that's a movement from my lower back. You need to learn how to do that. And sometimes it means a bit of coaching. Sometimes it means a bit of hands-on manipulation so you can feel, okay, when you do it like this, it looks really good. The hips are doing it. But when this isn't working, ah, yeah, you can feel how much the lower back moves there. So we wanna make sure that we are not compensating. We want certain areas to move, i.e. hips, and we don't want certain areas to move, low back. And the way that you do this is by having your core muscles do their part. The core must be present and active to facilitate that to happen. If you cannot move your hips without movement from your lower back, It shows you have gaps in your training and with your body and strength levels. And they need to be addressed because if you don't, it's only a matter of time before something bad happens to them. It's like, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. You hear stories about people who sneeze and, you know, they put their back out. It wasn't the sneeze that did it. It was all the 900 movements that you did prior really badly that led to that sneeze being the catalyst and the, you know, the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. You need to learn how to move well and you need to learn that certain areas need a lot of movement and other areas require very little movement. So here are your takeaways. This is what I want you to implement and start to think about. You need to mobilize what is tight or immobile. So that means you need to start moving and increased range of motion through your hips, through your upper back, and through your shoulders. And it also means that you strengthen what is weak or currently underperforming. Okay, glutes, 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 did I say glutes? And also your hamstrings, core, and upper back. And the reason that hamstrings go in there is because when you are sitting, this is what I had to kind of backtrack on a little bit and just catch myself because the wording needs to be, it needs to be the right language and the right wording. A lot of people, as I said, with the forward toe touch, they find their hamstrings are, air quotes, tight. But what is actually happening is their hamstrings are extremely weak. So when they get a little bit of load put through them, they're like, whoa, what is this? So their tolerance level, their capacity is very, very low. So what you'll probably find as well is, if you start strengthening your hamstrings, which a great way to do that is learning the hip hinge. So we're getting great hip extension, awesome. We're mobilizing the spine. We're strengthening the glutes, excellent. The core is having to work, fantastic. And also the upper back has to contribute to give you a neutral spine. It's a fucking win. hope that makes sense. So Romanian deadlift ticks all of those boxes. We get our glutes, we get our hamstrings, we get our core, we get our upper back. Excellent, that's a fantastic exercise selection. Now just to leave you with guys, this is something I want you to drill into your brain. So you might wanna write this down. You might wanna memorize it. And this is from Dr. Andrew Locke. So for my students listening, you know Dr. Andrew Locke. You've had all of his exercises. Physiotherapist extraordinaire. This is what he says. We don't punish strength. We punish weakness. So if you have a weak area, or if you have a strong area for that that matter, so let's say your lower back is strong. I don't want to weaken it. I don't want to just keep stretching it and mobilizing it because it's a strength of yours already. What I do want to do is punish the areas which aren't doing their job, which are holding you back, which are underperforming. For most people, like I just said, it's your glutes, it's your glutes, it's your glutes, it's your hamstrings, it's your core, and it's your upper back. I am gonna absolutely target those areas and I am going to punish them until they become a strength of yours. Lastly, if you are somebody, or if you know somebody who has daily Lower back pain, so every day they're experiencing pain or discomfort through their low back. It will require daily intervention. Once or twice per week will not cut it. That does not suffice. If you've got pain every day, do you really think doing a sequence of exercises once or twice a week is going to be substantial enough to fix it and make it go away? It's not. It's not enough. Not by a long shot. Back pain can be very debilitating if you don't take it seriously and do something about it. So, I have given you a framework. I have given you some fundamentals on anatomy and biomechanics of how your body is designed to operate. This is what I would like you to do. Use what is useful for you and your situation. Add the necessary exercises which I have mentioned that you think will complement your training and upgrade the way that you move, and put them in your training toolbox. And if you are somebody who needs or has been in pain for a while, I would again recommend, go and and seek out some help. It doesn't show weakness, it shows strength, that you are willing to get some feedback, get some coaching, and get some instruction from somebody who is more skilled in this area than you. So it might be a trainer, it might be a a coach, it might be a physiotherapist, it might be a specialist. But do something about it, don't just live with it because lower back pain is a bitch. And if you don't do anything about it, the longer you leave it, the longer your body is going to stay the same. Your body's going to adapt to moving a certain way. And that's not going to help you long term, it's gonna take longer to undo that damage. So guys, like I said, I've gone through lower back pain. I know people who have lower back pain and it's fucking awful. I don't wish it for anybody. But your body is very intelligent. If it's not moving correctly, it'll find a way to do the task, whether you like it or not. And if you keep doing that for a long enough period of time where where your body just compensates and compensates and compensates, it's gonna come back and bite you in the ass. So learn to move correctly the first time. And if you haven't done that, Learn how to do it the second time. So that way you can prevent future back injuries from occurring or a current injury from worsening. Guys, thank you for listening. It's been a very full on episode, very lengthy episode as well. So if you're still here listening and you found value from this information, please pay the fee. Pay this information forward to somebody who you think needs to hear it, okay? I really appreciate the regular listeners of The Wake Up Call, truly because what I say isn't for everybody. You know, some people find this message too hard to hear. They don't wanna hear the truth. But I already have this information. I've used it and do use it. If someone else can use it, you owe it to them to get this message out there and share this information with them. So thanks for listening, guys. I will speak to you very soon for episode 99. But until then, keep looking after yourself, treat your lower back pain, and uh, you know, Stay strong. We don't punish strength. We punish weakness. Don't weaken. If you loved the wake up call, found it entertaining or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.